Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership. That unlocks all of our great web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's two grand in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. I'm Jay Zawoski. Joining me today, as always, Mario Tirabasi and Greg Boyson. Fellas, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is in your world. We all live in the same world, but, you know, <laughs> we got to suspend disbelief because it comes out in the afternoon, so we got to uh, say yes, afternoon. Yes. See? Yeah, good, day. good day. Good day to sir. you. Good day, good fellows. <laughs> yeah, doing, uh, doing okay. Yeah, all things Just Chilling out at right? home, rainy day. Staying in the uh, CHGO quarantine chambers. Yeah. Presented by PointsBet. Couple more hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A few more hours. Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're you're free, right? You get in a few hours. You get free, and you get to I see sh- your family. I should again. be. Uh, I should be freed in a few hours. Yeah. Should be. Should be good to go. Nice. So. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, getting out of this room. It's been. Uh, you know. You really appreciate the outdoors after being inside for five straight days. Well, you picked a good week to get locked indoors because the weather has sucked. Um, Greg, I do not hear any uh, chainsaws running, so I'm assuming the pugs are in a different room today. Uh, for the moment, but once they hear me talking, I'm sure they'll... Oh, I lied. There is one down here, but he's not snoring at the moment, so... All right, well, we've got uh, a lot to get to. I want to remind everybody before we start, a Monday's show, 1.30 p.m., we're going to be joined in studio by Colby Cohen, Blackhawks analyst, so make sure you don't miss that one. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to letting you all get to know Col- Colby a little bit. Uh, I know his intro to the Hawks world has been awkward and weird, as everybody's has, uh, basically. That's not Pat Foley or Eddie Olchek, so... I think you'll enjoy hearing what Colby has to say. He's a great dude, and we're very happy and, and grateful that the Blackhawks are letting us uh, have that interview happen on Monday. But, fellas, we've got a couple directions we wanted to go uh, on this show. I know we want to talk about the futures of Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubelik, um, but also our fearless leader, Kevin Kaduck, texted us sort of out of the blue asking if we would switch places with some other NHL franchises, right? I think specifically the Pittsburgh Penguins. Would you sacrifice the Hawks run for the Penguins run of sustained success 
And why don't we start there? I know it's something that's sort of been on our minds since uh, it was brought up to us. And uh, I don't know, Mario, I know I know you had some thoughts about it, so why don't you get us started? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when we when you look at the, the last decade and a half of the NHL, um, the Blackhawks and, and the Penguins have had the most Stanley Cups, uh, three, you know, three each, and they have been synonymous, you know, throughout, throughout the 20, 2010s was like synonymous with like, oh, you know, playoff hockey, uh, marquee teams. It was, it was the Penguins and the Blackhawks. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think when you, when you match up the, the two runs of the teams over the last 15 years, um, I think I, I think I trade what the Blackhawks have done with what the Penguins have done because you look at the the run that the team has had with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, uh, Mark Andre Fleury, Chris Letang, like all the all the greats that have the modern greats that have played for the Penguins, and you look at uh, I think there was there was a stat last night during the the Pe- Penguins and Rangers game that said that Malkin. Crosby and Latang are the only trio of players to play 16 seasons together. Um, and all 16 of those seasons, they have made the playoffs. I mean, that's that's in- incredible. And I think that that's something that I think a lot of people expected uh, players like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, and, and Duncan Keith or Brent Seabrook to have that kind of like, you know, 13, 14, 15 seasons together and these long sustained stretches of of time where they were making the playoffs and being, you know, Stanley Cup contenders and whatnot. And for the Blackhawks, it kind of just fell off a cliff. And with the with the Penguins, like yeah, they've had some up and down seasons. Um, they've had some playoff disappointments, but I think you have 16 consecutive seasons of making the postseason, 16 consecutive years of being in the hunt. Uh, obviously, they had they had four trips to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, three of them came away with cups. Uh, you have two generational talents in Evgeny Malkin and, and Sidney Crosby. I mean, it's it, you, you, and I think you look at it the long term success outside of when Crosby and, and Malkin's time with the team ends. I, I I would venture to say that the the Penguins probably have a better setup moving forward than what the Blackhawks do. I I, I mean, I'm not too in-depth into the Penguins like organizational prospect system and organization uh, set up that way but I would tend to guess that they're not looking at well we're gonna have to rebuild completely from the from the ground up anytime soon yeah it's a good point and you know three cups they both have three cups one has been successful for much longer than the other so yeah I think I think the trade is a no-brainer but when you look at their D it is Chris Letang Right then, Brian Dumoulin's thirty, but the rest of their defensemen are under thirty. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, you know, they've got some young talent. They've been able to find some goalies. First, it was Matt Murray, then it's Tristan Jari. Um, you know, he, he's hurt right now, but then you develop some prospects. Jake Gensel, you develop, you develop yeah. Kasper. Uh, you, they think they traded for Kapanen at some point, right? Kasper yeah, Kapanen was a trade. Well, they dra- they drafted him, traded him, and then traded him and back. Got so him technically, back, yeah. he's a homegrown guy. Yeah, so and he's 25 <laughs> years old. He's been in the league forever. You make some wise trades and inexpensive free agent signings. And for me, a big part of the reason that Pittsburgh was able to maintain this, this – I don't know, I won't say dominance, but maintain this stretch of competitiveness is – their best players took less money to stay. 
Sidney Crosby's cap hit is $8.7 million. He's vastly underpaid. Compared to Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane both making ten and a half. Evgeny Malkin is making nine and a half. Chris Letang is making seven point two five. So all these guys are being paid less than market value. And that was one of my big criticisms of Stan Bowman was I'm sorry, he who should not be named, uh, was the fact that not only did he give you all the money. He gave you all the term, and he gave you the no-movement clauses, so he handcuffed himself in every way, shape, or form. What you're supposed to do as a GM is say, look, we want you to be a Black Hawk for life. Here is a 10-year deal. It's probably a little bit under market value, but we're never going to trade you, and paying you $2 million less than you're probably worth uh, is going to let us maintain this roster and stay competitive for a while. Yeah. You know, and... And yeah, I mean, two, $2 million is nothing to sneeze at, but these guys are going to be set for life and they're going to have a job in the organization as long as they want one, right? Even if it's just an ambassadorship. I, I don't know. I think if, in hindsight, if you said to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze when they were signing those deals, hey, look, here's what the reality is going to be, you know, seven years from now. Um, would you rather take a little bit less and stay competitive? And I think they probably would both answer yes. I think the most impressive thing about this Pittsburgh run, this 16-year stretch or whatever it is, is they've done it with three different GMs now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you say, would I trade the Blackhawks three cups in six seasons for this? I don't know. I mean, that was still pretty cool. And, yeah, granted, I'd much rather have the, the this version of the Penguins and this version of the Blackhawks. I think what I would rather do would be trade Stan Bowman for the combination of Ray Shiro and Jim Rutherford. Yeah. Because well. th- those are the guys that, I mean, Ron Hextall's the GM now, and, uh, you know, he, he's kind of still, wait, you know, he's still keeping this a competitive team. But it's, it's Ray Shiro, it's Jim Rutherford, and how they were able to draft, develop, and then, circum- you know, supplement. Yeah, exactly, and not kill their salary cap. You mentioned Malkin and Crosby and Latang; those are three guys that they've been able to keep, and they've been able to keep happy, <clears throat> pay them somewhat close to market value, and yet still build a competitive team around them. Where the Blackhawks now have, you know, they had Keith and Seabrook and Kane and Taves, and those contracts killed them. Yeah. They weren't able to do the same. Why? Because Stan Bowman couldn't draft, couldn't develop, couldn't find cheap young talent. And when he had it, he couldn't wait to trade it for some reclamation project. Yeah, it, it's funny. The The drafting thing is interesting because anytime you point to good Stan Bowman draft picks, very few of them are with the Blackhawks anymore. Yeah, right? they like, all, they're all playing well for other teams. Yeah, the, the draft wins had to be dispatched to take care of bad contracts you signed. Um, and, and help you get out from under the weight of those. And I, I, it's interesting you mentioned the, the three GMs through the course of this uh, Penguins run. I think sometimes, you know, you can – sometimes change is just needed, right? Like sometimes you just need a different set of eyes on things, and yeah. when things start not going great, you got to make a change. You don't wait until you're completely, completely, completely bottom of the barrel to make a trade. And look, let's be honest, had all this stuff – with Kyle Beach not happened, had not come to light, Stan Bowman would still be the Blackhawks GM. 
and, and God, president. And yeah, right. And who knows what the, I he'd mean, be, he'd be his own boss and he'd probably be there for another 10, 12 until he decided he didn't want to do it anymore. He was just given that promotion. Right. Yeah. You know, was it what a year before uh, the Kyle Beach scandal? It's, broke? It's, it was. It, yeah, it was. It was after they got rid of McDonough. Yeah. yeah, it was Rocky Wirtz pulling, doing his best Jerry Reinsdorf impersonation and being loyal to a fault. Uh, every coach, every executive has a shelf life. They do. I mean, maybe the only guy that, that kind of bends that rule, but we're kind of seeing it now, is Bill Belichick. He's been the only guy that's kind of been able to grant it. It helps when you have... The best quarterback one of the ever. <laughs> one of them, at least. Um, that's a different show, but... Um, <laughs> But he was able to adjust. He was able, those teams were never the same team from year to year, from game to game, from quarter to quarter. He was the master of adjusting and, and putting people in, in positions to succeed. So that's what's given him his longevity. But every coach, every executive, they have a shelf life. They eventually, it gets stale. If they, if they refuse to just change and they keep thinking it's the same thing is going to work over and over again, and that was Stan Bowman's problem. He just kept relying on those core guys and let's bring back guys that did it in the past never tried anything new kept trying to do the same thing over and over again and eventually it killed this team it killed this franchise and if it wasn't for him his role in covering up a horrible sex abuse case he'd still be here which just even saying that out loud makes my stomach hurt i mean he should have been gone a long time ago i would have said you know 2018 2019 at the latest there just wasn't there was no faith for the direction to be changing at any time soon but it was just uh and i i put the blame on this on rocky words it was just hey he won me three cups he sold me out my united center for a decade he made this team the most popular ever which isn't 100 percent necessarily true either um so he just kept going with it and the, the it's okay to change it's okay to make unpopular moves in the, in the name of the overall wellness of your company, of your team. And the Penguins have been a team that, you know, just they've been able to move on from things while keeping things together. You know, they've been aggressive. They found a way to get Phil Kessel and win two Stanley Cups, getting Phil Kessel on a team with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And then what did they do? Did they wait for his contract to become a burden and and hit salary and have to get rid of? No, they got rid of him when the time was right, when he still had value. They were able to find a taker in the Coyotes. Obviously, the Coyotes, you know, they love taking on, you know, <laughs> bad money. That's where that's where you go. But he right. was still productive. He's still been productive. They didn't hang on to him to, to the end to where they hope that they can, you know, long term IR him and make the contract disappear and and trade him. You know that cap relief they they got something for him uh they were able to make tough decisions they moved on from players when they needed to they didn't hold on the guys too long they didn't reward guys for past accomplishments they go. gave they gave guys what they thought their value was going to be going forward that's the old theo epstein uh rule and that worked too talk about guys executives that knows their own shelf life that was a guy that was you know i mean i'm sure there were a lot of other issues he saw writing on the wall and got the hell out of here before people can blame him but you know you you, you let it run its course and then you try something different you've got to be evolving you can't keep thinking it's 2010 for 12 years in a row because then you end up with a garbage hockey team that's looking to rebuild and that's where we're at no doubt yeah, that's a really good point. And, and the veterans that they did bring in 
to supplement we're not done on absurd deals you got jeff carter who's making 2.6 this year then he's got an extension that kicks in for the next two 3.1 3.1 brian boyle who's unrestricted after the season 37 years old 750k but that's a guy who's been through the battles brings a bunch of veteran leadership can play center can play wing you know like th- those are like the wise um really savvy moves that a gm makes that that make the difference and keep you competitive when you've got that expensive core when you look at the rest of the of the roster for the penguins really solid players at inexpensive deals you know rust at 3.5 cap it in 3.2 these are all really affordable deals for for good solid depth players and those are the type of deals stan bowman can never make yeah truly and when he was able to make those, he had to get rid of those guys because to erase the mistakes from the, the garbage deals he made. Um, and, and I think that that has a lot to go into GMing too, that you can get a guy like Jeff Carter because Jeff Carter comes along and says, hey, I want to be here. I'm, I have bought in. I, want, I, I will take less money than I could probably get playing anywhere else because I believe that this is, this is a franchise that's going to do whatever it can to win and be competitive. And that makes a difference. Guys will be willing to take less money ideally you would hope to, to to have a chance to win at the end of their careers and I, that, that's a guy that's got a couple of cups already under his title under his belt and you know he probably just wants one last shot at glory and you know hey if this is all you can afford me for me i'm go i'm good with that and uh i, I think a lot of the times uh we, we we got proven over the years that stan just where he who shall not be named was just not <laughs> He was a horrible negotiator. I think he negotiated against himself half the time. I think he, he tried the rule differently. You know, when you're in the, when you're trying to sign somebody, you go and give him a low ball offer and work your way up. I think he gave him the high ball offer, and the other guy was like sold, and that was the end of the conversation. All right, like I see you want to, you know, you want to reward your players and keep them happy, right? And like, hey, thanks for all you've done. Here's the gratitude of the deal. Fine, but guess what? Now we're at the end of the deal, and neither guy's happy. One, one more than the other. Taves is, is unhappy. So it's not just the money that's going to bring happiness. And I think, like I said before, these guys would trade some of their money for to stay competing and to play in winning, games winning, that matter. Winning cures all that ills, you know? Yep. You, and they're not winning. They're getting paid, and they're not winning, and they're grumpy. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, it's uh, the, the speed in which the Blackhawks won their three. You know, it was kind of a, a very whiplash sort of a thing. And going from completely irrelevant to three-time cup champion pretty quick was great. But, man, I I missed them being a good team. And, you know, before they fell apart in the uh, 2000s, that was a team that even if they weren't winning cups, they were perennially perennially in the playoffs, right? They were, they were giving themselves yeah. a chance to compete every single year. And they would never add the money to get that extra guy. That was Bill Wirtz, right? They, they're a guy or two away. It would never happen. Um, but they were always there. Now we're looking at three or four years before we're even thinking about a playoff spot. That's tough to swallow. Yeah, those. I mean, growing up as a Hawks fan, 80s, 90s, they were in the playoffs every year. Yep. It was a given. The Hawks are going to be in the playoffs. They're probably not going to win, but they're going to be in the playoffs. And, and a lot of that, again, like as you said, I think uh, good old Dollar Bill was satisfied with getting that, you know, three or four playoff gates at the end of the year, banking that money, and, and we're, we're good with it. Um, you know, they had the, they had that magical run 
in 92 uh, to the cup final, and they had a couple runs to conference finals, but there was always, you know, that one team, the Oilers or the Red Wings, that just they just couldn't overcome. But you just knew that every year there's going to be a playoff run, and, and it was kind of... We probably took it for granted for a while because then we went a long time without one, and then we took it for granted again for yeah, you know, a, a seven eight year period that the Hawks are just going to be good forever. Um, but yeah, that's why you know heading into this rebuild, everybody's like, oh, it's you know how fast can this happen? I don't care how fast it happens. I'll take four or five seasons of losing to make sure that when it's here, it's sustained yes. for ten, twelve, fifteen years. I don't care if we're back in the playoffs for two years just to make it once, get swept in the first round, and then not make it again for another four years. I'll go five, six seasons without a playoff appearance to make sure that the next 15 are Pittsburgh Penguin-esque or Boston Bruin-esque type playoff runs. Yeah, and that seems to be what the goal for Kyle Davidson is with the rebuild that he's kind of laid out is that we don't want it to be just a flash in the pan like, you know, we we do all this rebuilding just to get one run at it they want it to be you know we're rebuilding because we want to be able to have another decades long run where they're competitive where they're can you know consistently uh in the postseason and consistently like contending uh not just to get into the postseason but also contending for stanley cups and i think yeah like if it's going to take four or five seasons of being really bad to make sure that all the pieces are in place to make sure that for the next 15 years or so, it's going to be really good. That that's what you have to buy in for. Yeah. And you look at, you know, I look at a team like the avalanche who definitely had to build their way up from, from the bottom. Remember in 2016, 17, they had 48 points. Yeah. I mean, that was at 22 and 56 and four. The Avalanche that year, and and now you've seen they've done it right, right? They held on to a coach who put who took them through uh, that that first tough season. They didn't fire him. They didn't panic after making the hire. And uh, Jared Bednar's got them now an absolute wagon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're just landed on people. They killed Nashville in Game One, tighter game uh, last night in Game Two, but they're up two zero in that series and. They look like an unstoppable team, and and it takes time and it takes patience. And that's another team when you look at, you know, the way they've sort of supplemented their roster. Yeah, you've got McKinnon and you've got uh, Gabriel Landeskog, and you draft Kale McCarr and uh, Bowen Byram, but then you, you trade for Nazem Kadri, right? You, you you find these other pieces. Devin that, Taves. Devin I mean, Taves, geez, right? How the, huge has he been? Yeah, Two second round picks to get that guy. Wow. Yep, and everyone sort of like scoffed at that, but. This is a team that realized now is the time to win. Now is the time to add these players, and you trust your you hire good scouts. You trust your scouts to make the right calls, and you that that's the time to do it. Right, you make that that tough call. You make that tough move of giving up two seconds for a guy that you really think is going to be the difference. And here they are, 119 points up 2-0 in the first round. Did you guys see that they left the final score on the scoreboard yesterday mm-hmm. for Nashville's morning skate? That's amazing. I love. I love. That's, that's a good troll. It's a good I troll love job. petty trolling in professional sports. It's so good. Kind of like that. Uh, that San Jose Sharks message on the scoreboard where the first letter from each word spelled <laughs> F the Knights or yes, whatever yeah. it was. It's so good. I love stuff like that. That's what makes sports fun. You know, good-hearted 
ribbing. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you're going to be mean and attack somebody personally, I don't have time for that. But just to have some fun. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, we killed you last night. Have fun at your skate. <laughs> I don't know. We just can't. It's, it's frozen. I'm hitting control. Yeah, delete. Nothing's yeah. happening. I... <laughs> Score, scoreboard guy's off today. <laughs> not nothing we can do. Yeah, IT's he's union. Busy. He's yeah, union. Sorry, he's, we can't. Uh, we, he's, he's, he's off doing the Nuggets game or something. We can't do nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what else makes sports fun? Gambling on sports. And the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. Make a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet, and you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you do this and you have any questions at all, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's new feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA Same Game Parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. Want more? You can also boost your live same game parlays, watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. And now, online sign-up is available in Illinois, so you can download that PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I just missed my parlay last night. I had Barkov... I had McKinnon and I had Johnny Gaudreau to score a goal, and I need, and oh, Calgary wow. gets shut out. So <laughs> it's always the late game, right? That it's it's yeah, it always yeah. hinges on that late game. It feels like makes you, you sweat you, it out. You got Ottingered. Who saw that coming? Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, that's, that's Ottinger, been a, by the way. a high flying offensive series, hasn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Two goals in two games. Woo boy! Exciting. Like, well, here's what I'm going to do. For I'm going to bet the under in game three, so I guarantee you that will be yeah. a seven six final score. There you score. go. Nice. There they you will go. curse it. So you, for those of you watching that series, uh, more goals are coming in Game Three because I will bet yeah. the under on points bet. <laughs> Actually, uh, I I hit my my four four game parlay last night because of Kale McCarr. Yeah, I had uh, Panarin, Barkov, McCarr, and Pavelski to get a point, not not just a score goal, but to get a point. And uh, Pavelski got the the only goal for for Dallas, so that made me feel really good. And then Kale McCarr, I'm watching the game last night, and I'm like, this freaking guy has 12 <laughs> shots on goal, and not one of them has gone in or gone for a rebound or nothing. And then he gets the overtime winner, and I was I was very happy. I mean, so. are the Avalanche even allowed to win in overtime if Kale McCarr doesn't score the goal? I, I think that's I don't know. Like. In order to win in overtime, it's, God, that kid is so, He's so good. freaking good. He's I'm so the fun, good. The thing that I got, uh, the biggest kick out of a play, I know we're going to talk about those games later, but when he scored that goal, everybody, uh, and no disrespect to Roman Yossi, he's had an amazing season, but can we stop with Roman Yossi winning the Norris? It's going to be Kale McCarr. And the fact that it was Roman Yossi without a stick sprawled on the ice as the puck goes <laughs> flying over for the game winner made me go, and that's why Kale McCarr is winning the Norris. Yeah, they were. They said in the first period of the Nashville game, like he's uh, Roman Yossi's a sure thing to win a Norris. I said, uh, 
<laughs> I don't know. I go that far. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. No. Well, it's just like having the most points is is great, but it's just like it's got it's got to be more of the overall. Yeah. The overall game, overall impact, and I I don't know if there's a defenseman that impacts a game. Night after night, more than that, Kill McCarr does. Yeah, he's he's insane. Uh, sometimes I think you'll see in those awards, like they'll defer to a veteran because they're probably thinking Kale McCarr is going to win several. I hate that. Several, I hate that oh, I so agree. much. But he's going to win several Nori uh, throughout his career, um, and they're <laughs> probably like, let's due, just give Yossi. He's his. due for a for a selkie. He's due for his Norris. Like, shut up. No, did it, he? Was he the best defenseman or or whatever? Yeah, it's not a, this it's season. Not a career achievement award. Yeah. I hate that so much. And you can't go back to that because you set the standard last year giving it to Adam Fox. Yeah. Right. So obviously, giving it to young, exciting defensemen is allowed. So, yeah. Roman Yossi, great career. Not the best defenseman in hockey this season. Sorry. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Kale McCarr is the one of ones in the NHL. He is the ridiculously best defenseman out there. And Adam Fox is a, is a special player, too. But. Pfft. I'm sorry. I they're they're in different leagues too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you missed it, the three of us handed out our end of season awards for the Blackhawks yesterday. Um, gave the Hawks versions of the Hart, the Selkie, the Norris, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So if you missed that one, go back and listen. It was a good one. I enjoyed it very, very yeah, much. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to get to uh, today, you know, we heard from Kyle Davidson earlier this week, and kind of for the second time. He didn't flat out say that Dominic Kubelik and Dylan Strom aren't going to be back, but just this general tone and the messaging of what he's looking for from players seems to very much exclude the two of them. Uh, I want guys to play north and south that are intense, that are self-motivated, that are there every game, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm starting to think about this, and I don't know if that's the best use of assets. You know, I, I, I feel like... Cap is not going to be an issue next season. I think you need to find a way. I think especially with Kubelik. Because if you think you're going to maybe trade Kubelik's rights at the deadline, you're never going to get less for him than you are right now. His value has never been lower. And his qualifying right. offer is $4 million because uh, he's arbitration eligible. Um, that's probably more than I'd want to pay him like in a normal situation. But if, if you sign him here and he put, puts up another 25, 30 goal performance, he's going to have some value at the deadline. I just feel like right now he just, he'll never have less value than he does. But do you believe he can get back to a 25, 30 goal season? Especially, especially with a team next year, that's probably going to be just as bad as they were this year. Someone has to put the puck in the net. Right, like I know that we said we said that about him going into this year. His shooting percentage, so yeah. uh, rookie year nineteen point one, not sustainable. That's when he scored uh, thirty goals last right. year, ten point nine. Uh, he had seventeen goals in fifty six games this year, nine point three. So not like a tragically low shooting percentage this season, uh, with fifteen goals this year in seventy eight games. So I do. He's not as bad as he played this year. I think something around the realm of 2025 is 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 more doable and more reasonable. I I, I just I'd fear like, like just so, yeah. giving these guys up for like oh, here's a fourth round pick or here and I know you're trying to you know get as many draft assets as you can, but are you better off waiting and seeing how these guys perform next year under a new coach in a newly established system, probably with both of them having a bit more responsibility offensively. 
I don't I, I don't know the answer. I'm just sort of asking the question because I was sort of ready to be like, yep, I get it. Okay, they're not going to be here when they're ready to win again anyway. So move on. But I just I don't want to get just scraps for these guys. I think both of them have some value. I I agree with that. Um, I think. Unfortunately, the player that we've seen the last two seasons is more the real Dominic Kubelik than the 30-goal scorer we saw as a rookie season. Yeah. But but if we had the Dominic Kubelik that we saw the last six or seven games of this season, the full season, when he was playing with Tyler Johnson and, and Jonathan Taves, you know, he might have been close to that. He probably would have had that 25-goal mark. So I think he can do it. Um, but I agree with you on, like, hey, okay, we're rebuilding. We need assets. You can't rebuild unless you get prospects and picks. You gotta have capital. You gotta have draft capital to rebuild. You can't get back into this thing with five picks every draft. So why trade his rights for a sixth round pick now or just let him go for nothing? See if you can come to some sort of reasonable one, two year deal. Hope that he gets, we see that Dominic Kubelik that we had those last two weeks of the season and then flip them at the deadline for a better pick, a third round pick, a second round pick. You're all about collecting assets right now. You got to have some guys that can play next year. Dominic Kubelik. Yeah. He wasn't very good this year, but he can play. He's an NHL player, right? You're not going to have a lot of NHL players. So why not try to increase the value of what you get? By just bringing him back. If that's something he even wants to do, he may be like, no, thanks, but no thanks. I want to go play for a different team. And that's his decision, you know, then, then, but what, there's nothing to lose in that situation. You're going to get a sixth round pick for his rights right now. So bring him back for a year and he stinks again. And then you get a sixth round pick for him next year or nothing. So you didn't, you didn't lose anything, but you can gain a lot more. And I think those are the types of things that, that, uh, you know, um, Kyle Davis needs to be looking for. How how can I gain assets here? Because next season doesn't mean anything. There's no there's no value in wins or losses next season. It's all about gaining things and, and, and getting Kubelik back here and playing better can gain him uh, more assets than just by trading him now just to be done with it. And, and that can lead me to this little nugget here and about gaining things. If you want to gain a competitive edge, you should be drinking some Strava CBD coffee because that is a game changer and it has helped thousands of people improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava deliver, delivers delicious, fresh roasted specialty coffee infused with organic broad spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry, but it does give you some real benefits such as feeling alert and focused without the jitters, living your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains. Plus, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy more restful sleep so you can wake up already feeling your best. And the best part about it is Strava is all about quality. Everything is small batch. It's fresh and it's shipped right to your door. And I'll tell you what, I'm a coffee snob. And this is great coffee. It is absolutely delicious. Plus, you also get the concentrated full-spectrum CBD. And that gives you an array of effect of benefits. 
Plus, CHGO listeners can save 25% off their entire purchase when you use the promo code CHGO25 at checkout. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com. That's S-T-R-A-V-A. And when you use that code CHGO25 at checkout. And if you already love Strava... And the way we've raved about it since day one here, you should already be a fan. We're not lying to you. We're not going to blow smoke up your rears right here. This is good stuff. You can subscribe and save when you join the Strava Coffee Club. With Strava, you're in control. You'll be able to save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home and office on your preferred schedule. Great cup of coffee. Shows up where you want it, when you want it, and you're saving money. Folks, that's about as good as it's going to get. No doubt, and uh, I had a cup this morning, and I'm feeling great. Love it. No jitters. Absolutely fantastic. Feeling uh, ready to podcast. <laughs> you can't. You can't see it, but I assure you, I'm. I'm about to take a sip of my second cup of Strava coffee this nice. morning. So we are ready to go. Um, back there you to, go. So back to the Stroman Kubelik thing a little bit here too. And another thing, Kyle Davidson said, is that you know you can't expect the Blackhawks roster next year to be. Uh, Kane Tave, Seth Jones, DeBrinkett, and the Rockford Icehawks. It's not going to work. So he sort of acknowledged like the fact that he's going to have to bring in some veterans and and you know fill out the roster in other ways. So why not just give Kubalik and Strom another year or two and see what they can do? Look, it, the the reason Dylan Strom, you know, they were trying to trade him all year, trying to trade him all year, and just couldn't find enough, couldn't find a taker. The question with Strom is his consistency right can he put it together for a full nhl season he disappears at times everyone knew that he was scratched many times this year right or especially early on under jeremy colleton that stuff goes around the league but if he can put together another season overall like he had this year like if he picks up the pace and just this is the player he is a 50 point scorer you know whatever he played 69 games very nice job in all those games 22 goals, 26 assists, 48 uh, points in those games. If he can put together a 55, 60-point season, that's the kind of guy, if a team's looking to solidify themselves up the middle for a playoff run, that's a really enticing player. you know. And, and I think he's definitely movable. But right now, I think he needs another year to prove it, to show that he's the player he was for the second half of this year, not the first. And why not give him that chance to prove that? Unless you truly believe... Nope, that was a mirage. He's not that guy. He's not going to do that again, so we have to move him while we can. Well, I think the one of the important parts of Dylan Strom's game is the, are, are the two guys that play on his wing, Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane. And those are two guys that have advocated for Dylan Strom to be on this team. And I think if you're going to if you're going to look at the futures of Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit and are both of them going to be part of the, the Blackhawks moving forward through the rebuild and back to when they're competing again? Alex Dabrinkit, I think the answer is absolutely yes. Patrick Kane, I think you kind of have to judge on a year-by-year basis beyond next season. And with Dylan Strom, you know, he hasn't really been able to find the success that he has without Dabrinkit and or Patrick Kane playing alongside him. So those three together if that's your top line next year, that's that's all well and good. But I think you have to figure out if Dylan Strom can do anything without those players. And if he can't, then 
then yeah, I mean, it, it, you know that DeBrincat and Kane are going to be are going to be around next year. Uh, so why not bring him back for another season? See what he can do. See if he can up his value, or if he can prove that he's that he is consistently going to be the player, like you said, Jay, that can put together fifty point seasons, fifty five, whatever it is, and be able to be uh, a producer outside of his two line mates. Yeah. And and I think if, if he can do that, then yeah, then you look at him at you know twenty six, twenty seven years old, and think, okay, maybe he can he can do this for the next four or five seasons and and be a, a veteran, a longtime veteran at that time, uh, that can be one of the pieces that the team needs when they want to be competitive again. But if you don't believe he can do that, uh, you know, you talk about Kubelik not having, you know, as much, having the least value that he could right now in the trade market. I mean, Dylan Strom might have the most value he's going to have right now if you don't, if you don't extend him he's going to have the most value his his rights are going to have the most value right now. So if you don't if if Kyle Davison truly doesn't believe that whether or not Dylan Strom has any success makes any difference on his opinion of him or the kind of player that they want him to be uh, or want to have on the team, then you have to you have to move on from him like right now because you can't bring him back next year, have him have him have a decrease in production or a decrease in 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 any kind of his value. And then you're you're flipping him for less than what you could have maybe got got for him now this off season for his for his uh, for his negotiation rights. Yeah. So here this has come up a lot, like his inability to create without without Kane and DeBrinket, and and that that's certainly valid. However, let's take a look up and down the Hawks roster <laughs> and right. find all these forwards that are going to help a center produce. Right. Like that's kind of the thing. Like. Kirby Doc had nine goals. We already mentioned Kubelik had 15. Um, Kurashev had six. Mackenzie Entwistle had five. Like the, There's just not offensive talent on this team. And as Lucas Reichel, as we all expect, will join the team for the, for the, total, for the full year next year. Um, and Kirby Doc has another offseason to develop and get in shape and put on some size and some, you know, add some muscle and all those sort of things he needs to do. Now you're looking at a couple more options to score. You get another full season with um, Taylor Radish. You've got uh, Philip Kurashev, who seemed to find the answer towards the end of the year as well. Like he's starting to figure out what it's going to take for him to stick in the lineup every night. And that's a guy who Davidson went out of his way on Monday to praise was Kurashev's, you know, um, I think sort of like his response to criticism. Like he always bounces back and, and performs the way they want him to. And, Maybe now he's finally starting to figure out that consistency, right? So you're looking at a few other options that could potentially play with Strom. But this year, it's tough to say, like, well, Dylan, you can't can't produce because unless you're with Kane and Taves, you don't put points on the board. Well, Jonathan Taves had 37 points, you know, and that's playing in every situation, power play. Like, the points were just not there to be had this year unless you were with Kane and Debrinket. They were the only two that were doing anything. So it's not like other players had massive success elsewhere on the roster. The only people that were scoring with any regularity were Kane and DeBrinket, and honestly, Dylan Strom. Like they're the only ones that that were that were consistent, uh, especially after Hagel got traded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's that's true. That's one hundred percent true. That, that there's really no one else outside of that top line that really could do anything offensively. Um, I just think in in the case of Dylan Strom, like I 
I'm, I'm, me personally, I think what I would want to see from him is to see that he can, he can kind of control, he, he can kind of create some, some of his own magic rather than deferring to, uh, Debrinket and, and Kane. And he had, you know, he's, he's had some good moments. Um, but I, I, I think back to when, when Kane and Panarin were playing together and, and Artem and Isimov have had his best season. Yep. And I'm, and I'm, I just want Dylan Strom to go out and prove that he's not just the the third wheel, an Artem Anisimov like player in that scenario where he's actually like you can go to you can go and say, oh Dylan Strom can take over a game, and I don't think I'm convinced that he can do that. But if you're going to invest in Kane and and Debrinket, then okay, Dylan Strom should be brought along with because he's obviously has the chemistry with them so if you're looking to have that that trio have success then yeah bring them around and the question is if you don't who plays with those two then you put Taves back as your number one center and and then then you're stretching the your other your bottom nine really thin because it doesn't appear that Kirby Doc's a center anymore and are you ready to plug uh, in you know are you ready to plug in uh Lucas Reichel as 2C from day one. That's a tough ask for right. a guy that young. And I, and I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer. So that's kind of the thing. It's like, what are the other options available? And you are going to be, st- you've got Tyler Johnson, right? Um, for two more years after this one. Um, mm-hmm. And he can play center. But I think in an ideal world, you'd want him to be on your third line in some role, right? I mean, so, he, start, he started the season with Dabrinkat and Kane. Yes. But that's, I, I, I don't think that that's sustainable. No, I don't think so either. So th- th- these are the questions that need to be answered. Like, w- yeah, if not that, Dylan Strom, who's going to center that top line? Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Strom fits two of your needs. He plays well with your best two players, and you need centers. So, I mean, yeah. kind of makes sense to me. That, that, I mean, yeah, I know the criticism is he only plays well with Alex Brinkett and Patrick Kane. Well, we just happen to have Alex Debrinkit and Patrick Kane, so why don't we just play it with them? Like, that's a problem for the Nashville Predators. It's not a problem for the Chicago Blackhawks. So, you know, you got a guy that fits in well with your best two players at a position you definitely need help at the next couple of seasons. Makes too much sense, so it's probably why it's not going to happen. Well, and he's still he's only twenty four too, because like if you want to go into the free agent, you know, pool and say, all right, we're we're going to sign someone to play center instead of Dylan Strom. You know, eh, there's just not a lot of guys out there that are that are that appealing, that don't have a lot of upside. Like, sure, you can pl- you can go sign a guy who can play center and and not produce much and have you finish dead last and hopefully get you counter Bedard, right? But as you look through this free agent list, there's just not a lot of guys who are g- going to be willing to sign in Chicago, right? Because you look at somebody like Andrew Cop who had a great year with the Rangers, he's going to be looking for a big deal somewhere. Right, like, yeah. It, it, none of none of none of the free agents worth anything are going to look at Chicago and be like, "Ooh, yeah, that's right. a scenario I want to play in." Malkin, Giroux, Bergeron, you know, uh, no, none Philip of Forsberg, no, Kadri, no. Uh, yeah, it's just Ryan Getzlaff retired. Like as we get down this list, now you're getting to like, Ugh. like, do you want Paul Stasny instead at 36 right. years old? And and maybe that's one of those guys you look at like, okay, leadership role. Yada, yada, yada. He can come in and center the top line. Okay. But I'd rather take another stab with Dylan Strom and see if you can turn him into anything instead of just paying Paul Stasny three million bucks to just be here and I don't know. You know, that 
yeah. Th- these are the these are the decisions that Kyle Davidson has to make, and I think, look, he knows all the stuff we're talking about, right? Like we're not. He's not going to hear this and be like, "Oh my God, what a great point." I think if, if Dylan Strom's <laughs> not back, we have a pretty strong feeling on what the Blackhawks organizational opinion is of Dylan Strom, because it's not right. you don't a team that's in the situation the Hawks are in with the needs they have should not just let a 50-point scoring 24-year-old center walk away. That that would be shocking to me or or trade him for a fourth or fifth round pick whatever. Yeah, I don't I I think Strom should be back. I I I don't know if I if I made that clear, but I think Strom should be back. I think there there's no reason to give up on him, but I think what they what the team want probably wants to figure out is is he for real in in being able to uh, to be solidified in in that role as you know your your number one go to center uh, at least for the time being, um, but yeah I don't think there's any reason to give up on him especially when you're going to be looking at a team that has no center depth and should be investing in some of these young ish players moving forward. I agree. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 a tough it's a tough one for sure. My my yeah. thing is if they knew that they were going to move on from him. Why didn't you trade him at the deadline when his trade value had never been higher? Yeah, I, I mean, unless true, unless though. they're I, unless their asking price was just too high, if they because because the the story was oh he's been on the trade deadline or he's been on the trade block for a year and a half, and no one would want him. And it's just like okay, well now as he's playing better, did they up their price or did they just say oh no now he's playing better we were, we don't want to trade him. That's a good question. You know, it's the same. It's the same frustrations I have with Calvin DeHaan. If it's a guy you know, you've decided you're not bringing back. You take what you get. Like you don't let him go right. for nothing. But you know, right. we'll see. We've, we've. I'm sure this is far from the final time we talk about Dylan Strom on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. He'll be, he'll be ever present until he's not. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's uh, a good time to maybe talk about Dylan Strom's brother Ryan and and the Rangers and, yeah. and recap last night's Stanley Cup action as we wrap up another fine content-filled episode here of the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, last night was all about bounce-back games as three of the four teams that lost game one of their series came back to win game two and even things up. I'm talking about the Rangers, uh, Artemi Panarin, former Blackhawk. You remember him. He had a huge game, a yes, goal, and two assists. Um, we, I kind of called him out a little bit after game one when he only had two shots on goal and seven giveaways in that triple overtime loss in game one. Still only had two shots on goal and five giveaways. He got to be a little better with the puck there, but uh, you can't complain about the three points leading the way in a 5-2 Rangers victory to even up that series. I believe that he was the only former Hawk in that game. Yeah, that yeah. was... He's the only one in that series. Yeah, until if and uh, yeah, Penguins don't have any, and then you have uh, Tyler Mott on the uh, Rangers, who's dealing with an injury, so he mm-hmm. may be able to come back for later rounds. He was a trade ac- trade deadline pickup there, uh, and then we had uh, the Panthers. They of course lost Game One to the Capitals. They sh- flexed their muscles in a five-one Game Two victory. More importantly, letting us hit on our points bet play of the week yeah. for the second straight there week. Winning streak. We're going to roll the Panthers train until it is derailed. Um, let's see here. What do we got for the 
Panthers. Our former Blackhawk, Gustav Forzing, had an assist and was a plus four on the night. And he even dished Oof. out four hits and had two takeaways in 21 minutes Good. Of play Gustav Forsling hitting machine. Who would have ever thought that would happen? <laughs> Physical presence, but Anthony again, Claire, I think, had an assist too. Yes, he did. Yes, uh, very even balanced uh, attack by the Panthers. That's what makes them scary. Five goals from five different players, so uh, including Aaron Ekblad on the yeah. blue line. So getting him back uh, doesn't hurt your chances. They're, that's for sure. They're they're one of those teams that you just look at and you're like, how in seven in a seven game series does a team beat them four times? I don't. I yeah. They remind I me a, a lot of picturing that. Yeah, they remind me a lot of those 2010, 2013 Hawks teams where they can just roll four lines and any one of those lines can beat you if you let them. Yeah. So scary team. Yep. Speaking of scary teams. The Colorado Avalanche are up 2-0 after a 2-1 overtime victory over the Predators. The Predators made a game where I should say Connor Ingram made a game of yeah. it. 49 saves for the uh, youngish goaltender who spent a lot of his career in the AHL. I've been able to see a lot of him the last couple of years playing for the Milwaukee Admirals. He's a very good goaltender, just needs that opportunity, and it looks like he's going to get it. There's no way you don't start him in Game 3 um, after that yeah. performance, but it was Kale McCarr in overtime with the winner, as we talked about earlier. Um, so they are up 2 nothing. They look really, really good. 51 shots on goal in that game. As mentioned, 12 of them coming from Kale McCarr, 8 from Nathan McKinnon. Jesus. So those two combined for 20 shots on goal. Nazem Kadri had six, goal, uh, six shots on goal. And uh, as Pat Foley liked to once call him, talented Soviet Valery Nishkushin had seven <laughs> shots Jeez. on goal. So, I mean, man, if Nazem Kadri can stay out of getting suspended, that team is, <laughs> yeah. s- again, another scary team. And uh, our our final game of the night was uh, the Stars, even up their series two to nothing. I misspoke. They I forgot that they had the empty netter at the end. Uh, but it was Joel Pawlowski, Captain America, with the, uh, the the only goal that mattered midway through the first period, uh, Jake Ottinger, 29-save shutout for that victory. So that series is tied up at 1-1. One and one. Uh, Nikita Zadorov, the only Hawk, former Hawk in uniform, uh, no points, only one hit, one giveaway, and just 15 minutes of playing time. So, man, imagine the playing time for Nikita Zadorov goes down in a close game. That's strange. Yeah, it's probably the right thing to do. Well, I mean, they do have a coach that realizes these things. You know, hey, maybe I shouldn't put my worst defenseman out there in a, in a one-goal game. And I, I liked him more than most people did. I think he was kind of a character, but yeah, yeah just, uh, he, the trade did not make a lot his, of sense. When you broke down his actual numbers, it wasn't as awful as it looked at times. But it was just the whole, hey, I'm going to skate 90 feet out of position to, to give a hit to a guy that gave up the puck eight seconds ago while the, <laughs> while the goal's being scored on my goalie. That, that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. You're not supposed to do that, huh? It's not good. I'm going to write no, that down. No, I mean, it, 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 listen, it's going to happen to everybody. But, but when it happens, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. But So there's our, there's our um, Stanley Cup wrap-up. we got four more games tonight. Uh, our guy Mark Andre Fleury in the Minnesota Wild are in St. Louis. Pivotal game three. Uh, series tied at one. Toronto Tampa that goes to Florida tied at one. Uh, of course, 
Um, the only 2-0 series in that side of the bracket is Carolina. They move to Boston up 2-zip, and then the late game, Kings host the Earlers. So more, plenty of good hockey, and I will be making the trip here shortly to Rockford to check out on our baby Ice Hogs as they try to close out the Texas Stars tonight and move into that first round matchup against the Chicago Wolves. So make sure if you're listening to this before seven o'clock tonight, make sure you're following uh, me on Twitter because I will be giving live updates from the Ice Hogs playoff game this evening. Awesome. Have a good time in Rockford. I'm not going to be able to join you. And just want to remind everybody, too, if you're enjoying CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only will you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership that unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. And remember, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Reminder, we are back on Monday, 1.30 p.m. live in studio with Blackhawks analyst Colby Cohen. We're really looking forward to that Tuesday we're going to be on at 5.30 p.m. Why? Because the NHL lottery, draft lottery, is that night. It will happen during our show, so we will react live and then look for us at 1.30 for the rest of the week. So uh, there for your planning purposes. Monday, Colby Cohen. Tuesday night is our draft lottery show and the rest of the week at 1.30 p.m., including an audio-only show on Friday. So have a great weekend. For my partners, Greg Boyson and Mario Tirabasi, I'm Jay Zawoski. This has been the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. Mm-hmm.